Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. It's a special podcast we put together on the weekends for you to enjoy. It's going to highlight some of our best interviews from this week from the radio show. You can hear these interviews live during the week in your local radio station. To find out where you can hear the Dan Bongino radio show near you, go to Bongino.com. Click on Station Finder, and you'll find the station nearest you. But before we get to our first interview, let me get to one of our sponsors. We really appreciate their time. If you own a business, it's been a bumpy ride. From the pandemic to inflation, you could use a break. Innovation refunds can help. If your business has five or more employees and you survive COVID, you could be eligible your business to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. It's not a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. Here's the challenge, getting your hands on it. How do you cut through the red tape and get your business the refund money? You go to GetRefunds.com. They have a team of successful attorneys here, tax attorneys, that put together, they've been put together. They're highly trained in a little-known payroll tax refund program. They've already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you too. They do all the work. There's no charge up front, no sweat, and they simply share a percentage of the cash they get for you. Businesses of all types can qualify, including those who took PPP, nonprofits, even those that had increases in sales. To find out if your business qualifies, just go to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, and answer a few questions. This payroll tax refund is only available for a limited amount of time, so please don't miss out. Go to GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. First up today, we talk with Dan Horowitz, one of my favorite guests. He knows a lot about the vaccine and COVID. We address my conversation with Dr. Robert Malone, one of the men who was responsible for the mRNA technology, and the latest news about the dangers of the vaccine and the government now forcing it on children. Don't miss this interview. Uh, let me welcome back to the show one of my favorite guests, senior editor at The Blaze. He is, he's on Twitter at, at @rmconservative. RM Conservative. Dan Horowitz. Dan, welcome back to the show. Hey, great to be back with you. And you sound fine, Dan. Thank you, sir. I, I Yeah, I feel good. I had some surgery last week, but I feel fine. But you know what I'm not fine about, Dan? Um, I had Dr. Robert Malone on my podcast for a lengthy interview on Friday. Um, the show immediately went nuclear probably our best Friday numbers in a long time. Uh, he scared me, Dan. Uh, this is a guy who's probably forgotten more about mRNA technology than most human <laughs> beings know. Uh, you know who he is. You know him well. You have been a truth teller and spot on about COVID from the start. And his news was not very good, Dan. Uh, I asked him about it. He took the vaccine early. I told him I did as well. My cancer and, you know, being just scared. It was a huge mistake I made. And I asked him, is you know, do you think there's any hope for people like us? And, you know, the answer wasn't very good. Your your thoughts on that? You know, I, I really hate this discussion, Dan, because it's tough. Too. I mean, and, and it's important to note that no one did anything wrong. I didn't have it on my bingo card that the government would poison us. Like, I did not have that <laughs> right. uh, on my list. <laughs> right. Bingo! All right, right. right. <laughs> you know, oh, man, we're glad we live in America. You know, you look for the FDA label on something, and you always trust it. And, you know, I always did myself. But what's scary is that everything you and I have been talking about the last two years, the macro numbers we're seeing seem to be accelerating. The excess deaths are accelerating, despite the fact that there aren't that many new people getting the shot. And, and what raises a lot of concerns is um, there's this clip from Fauci saying that uh, in 1999, when they wanted a HIV vaccine, he said, look, you know, you can get something out. It looks good at the beginning. And then all hell breaks loose 10 to 12 years later. Well, what happens if all hell broke loose immediately 
well, what does that pretend two, four, six years down the road um, with all the autoantibodies circulating in your, your body, the concern of cancers, the concern of subclinical myocarditis? And I think what Dr. Malone and others have been learning about is the idea of mRNA was to code your body to produce whatever that is you need. Uh, it could be uh, antibody, could be um, uh, you know, t- tissue repair or whatever they're working on. But the biggest thing we've learned is that there's no shutoff or modulator. It doesn't stay in your shoulder muscle. It goes to an unlimited number of locations for an unlimited amount of time in unlimited quantities. So the problem is this thing could be coding people. We don't know how long, and there's no shutoff. That's what's scary about this long term. I mean, I just saw in Ireland, the Irish Examiner reported that the last eight weeks, they experienced a 42% um, increase in excess deaths um, over pre-pandemic and even 21% over uh, 2020 and 2021. So that's very concerning that it's worse now than ever before. And, and this is all over the mainstream media now in America as well. Sudden heart attacks on the rise. I mean, if it ain't this, then we better find out what it is. But the problem is, based on all of the studies we have, theirs and VSAFE and the mechanism of actions, it clearly is doing this. Um, So the first thing you do is you stop digging and you take these off the market. But then rather than doing that, they're on the market. They're making them annual shots. We still have mandates in some settings. And guess what? If you like mRNA, they got mRNA, RSV, and flu coming up just in a couple months. We're talking to Dan Horowitz. I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend you follow him on Twitter. He is at RM, like short for red meat, at RM conservative. Please go do it. Because if you would have followed him earlier, you and I would have been way ahead of this information and saved myself a lot of grief. Dan, another thing. Um, you just brought up, I, I've, I haven't even got the question to yet. I had planned because you're always such a good interview. You said something really interesting there that if these, and it's a possibility, if these mRNA vaccines have nothing to do with the excess deaths, it's a possibility. You and I actually believe in science. Then you would think, Dan, that there would be just a small level of curiosity from our government. Like, <laughs> hey, what's causing this? Is it vampires? Is it some kind of hantavirus that we don't know about? You would think. I mean, it's only governments like main role, <laughs> life, liberty, and the you know protecting these God-given rights, right? And nobody seems remotely curious about the answer, maybe because they already know it. I, I mean, I, I just saw, I mean, this is from, you know, a local uh, newspaper, was it K-H-O-N, as, as we're talking literally now in uh, Honolulu, heart attacks on dramatic rise for 25 to 44 age group. And they kind of like talk about that. Yeah, we don't know what it is. I mean, this is a big deal. And look, our entire movement are, you know, our hair is on fire over abortion. But let me say this about abortion. I'm, I'm, I'm against it. I think we should fight it. But then the day, no one's forcing you to get it right. I mean, you and, and no doctor just says, hey, I think, you know, it's a good idea to terminate the pregnancy. Whereas here, A, we have mandates, but B, short of that, when this RSV shot comes out, every pediatrician is going to say every newborn needs to get this. After everything we know, this is the biggest life issue you could imagine. I mean, let me just say this. Michigan State University published a study extrapolating based on theirs and survey data mixed together by state that they believe after 
the first 11, 12 months of the vaccine campaign, 278,000 people died in the United States. And I took those numbers and I said, okay, well, if you extrapolate the number of doses that were around December 2021 in the U.S., well, what about now and globally, where there's about 13 billion? And that comes out to be 7.5 billion jab deaths. And I have another way of proving that with CDC, uh, VAERS, and VSAFE, that, that it turns out 10.8 million people volunteered to report to CDC. We didn't know this until a court uh, documents released it. Uh, 10.8 million people agreed to, re- uh, to report injuries to their app. And aside from the fact that almost 8% had clinical level injury, which is, is mind-blowing, and, and they knew this two years ago and didn't report it to the public, um, but it turns out only one in 26 of those people who self-volunteered to report to VSAFE filled out a VAERS report. So that's an underreporting factor of 26. You take the 17,000 deaths that are in theirs in the U.S. now, which in itself should shock your consciousness. I mean, I just saw Honda pulled, uh, you know, an air, a, a, a line of airbags based on the suspected 17 deaths. Uh, 17,000, that would be about 440,000 American vaccine deaths. I mean, we could quibble with what number it is, but this is nuts, and I'll tell you, I can't find too many Republicans in state legislatures. I'm going, I'm dealing with like 20 of them that even care. No, it's weird. You're right. It's almost like this. They've been so condemned. It reminds me of Seligman's learned helplessness experiments. These unethical, unethical experiments they did with dogs where they would shock them on shock plates and chain them down so they couldn't get away. And eventually the dog would stop trying to escape the shock because they'd learn yes. to be helpless. Like that's our Republican party now outside of very few people even remotely concerned. And it, Dr. Malone was, was on the podcast, Dan, I'm talking to Dan Horowitz. He's at RM conservative on Twitter. Please follow him. If you want to stay ahead of this stuff with the vaccine. Um, he made one particular point too. He said, we don't know why yet. Keep in mind, this is one of the world's preeminent scientists on this technology. But it has a particular affinity, this spike protein, for heart tissue and specifically components of the heart that regulate its variability. And even worse, he said that if there is damage done to that heart tissue, it's not like, you know, skin. It's not going to, well, it is like it's going to scar. And that scar is not going to be functional just like a skin scar. So it's probably, I made the analogy just the wrong way. That's troubling stuff. It's there forever. But Dan, you're wrong because Moderna's here to save the day. Guess what? They have in the pipeline an mRNA to repair heart tissue. Oh, oh nice, so, oh, Jim. Get on I mean, that, Jim. Let's get someone on the show so we can so we can make sure we get we get the public service announcement out there. Are you kidding me? I mean, no, Bantel was 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 tweeting about it. You know, a couple of weeks ago, they're bragging about it. And and by the way, aside from the obvious insanity of the timing of that, which is very peculiar, um, you know, just think. I, I spoke with Dr. Ryan Cole about this, who's a, a a pathologist, and I said, wait a minute, you know, so heart tissue is a good thing. It's not like a spike protein, which is bad, but even a good thing. There's nothing God created in your body that could be good in unlimited quantities. So I said, what happens if you produce unlimited tissue cells in an unlimited number of locations? He said, well, there's a word for that. It's called cancer. You know, when your machinery yeah. is hijacked to just produce an unlimited amount of, you know, reproduction. And this is that the conception of mRNA made sense to kind of say, hey, well, that's kind of cute to look at. 
but it's clearly not ready for prime time. No, and, and, and again, you just perfectly segued to my next question. Dr. Malone says in the interview that it, it wasn't ready for prime time. This was clearly rushed. But he makes the point that now the, the, the public health infrastructures around the world, not just in the United States, business titans too. I mean, I've had my own beef with this, the parent company here about this. They have so botched this yeah. mRNA rollout that Malone said that he believes that in the future there's applications for this. In other words, the old technology behind vaccines, you know, brewing it up in a chicken egg, and all, it takes too long. So he said, like, if there was some kind of a military conflict and an emergency situation where we had to immunize immediately, say, a million of our military members against a warfare biological agent, he said that might be something where an emergency youth authorization mRNA vaccine could be applicable. But Dan, he made the point. He said, no one's going to touch this anymore. People would rather, some people would rather die than take this thing out. They have so screwed this thing up. But the problem is we still, in most red states, have not precluded any of what happened to us. The lockdowns, the shutdown of churches, the masking, um, and the mandates I mean, Florida is really the only state where they're intending to ban it in hospitals everywhere, public, private. This is never OK to force another, another human being to take a medical intervention. Most other red states, I mean, we still have people being fired for not masking in a hospital, despite everything we know about this. So, you know, you might be able to say, hey, I don't want to take it. But there's a lot of people and a lot of jobs uh, that are going to be vulnerable. you got the school children. Um, and, and remember, you know, this one was more weighted towards seniors because everyone knew it, it affected more seniors. But the RSV shot, I mean, they're going to make that part of the, the childhood immunization schedule. Uh, I, I mean, it really is stunning. Dan, I only, I only have a hard minute left, but your thoughts on this mask study that just thoroughly eviscerates the use of masking. I got 54 seconds. You know, we didn't even need a study. We just see reality of the last three years that it never worked anywhere. Um, but this is the Cochrane Library, very thorough, very well respected, um, 78 studies, 11 RCTs, over 600,000 pulled sample size. It doesn't work. The policies now need to reflect that reality. It's not OK to take a rape victim and deny her medical care for not wearing a mask. And, you know, the policy want to get a change. promotion to your book in. I'm sorry. Is your book out? The Rise of the Fourth Reich? Is On that Monday, out? Monday, you purchase it now. Rise of the Fourth Reich, confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial. Rise of the Fourth Reich. It's Dan Horowitz, his take on all of this that happened with the vaccine, COVID fascism, all of it. Get on it now, folks. This guy's been a friend to the show. Follow him. You can find the book in the link at his Twitter account. He's at RM Conservative. Dan, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. We'll have you back. Take care. You got it. Folks, again, I, I just, I'm personally affected by this. So I do these segments because it affects me too. This vaccine and this mask thing. More on that after the break. That was Dan Horowitz on an extremely important topic surrounding the vaccine. Up next, we talk with former FBI agent, current whistleblower, Kyle Serafin, about a crisis at the FBI. Let's hear from our next sponsor first. The U.S. has just blown through the debt ceiling, folks. We're preparing to spend ridiculously more amounts of money to them. What happens when they get that money? The answer is they get it from the Fed who prints it. So what? What does that mean for you? When they start to print money, that's more money in circulation, which drives inflation through the roof. Okay, how does that affect me? Well, it destroys the value of everything you own. Your assets, your income, everything. 
okay, Dan, I need to fix that. Well, diversify into gold like I do with Birch Gold, B-I-R-C-H. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is dependable. I'm a multiple-time customer to Birch Gold. They make it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Just text Dan to 989898 to claim your free information kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metal specialists. Think about it. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000 and it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Dan to 989898 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Birch Gold is who I trust to protect my future and yours. Don't wait, folks. Text Dan to 989898 today. Past performance not a guarantee of future results. Message and data rates apply. Thanks, Birch Gold. Here's FBI whistleblower Kyle Serafin talking about the latest overreach by the FBI investigating practicing Catholics. You don't want to miss this. I really believe this when I say it. I believe the country owes this man, even though he's very humble about it, a sincere debt of gratitude. I mean, he's almost been single-handedly responsible for exposing FBI malfeasance in a number of different fronts. Abuse of intel cases, targeting of parents, the collapse of the agency's inner morale. These are all really important things. I mean, it's only the FBI, the federal government's most important law enforcement agency. Let's welcome back to the show, former FBI agent and now whistleblower and American patriot, Kyle Servant. Kyle, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dan, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. I watched you. I rarely uh, stay up past eight o'clock anymore, which is embarrassing. You know, you and I chat a lot, but you're probably like, why doesn't this guy answer my messages after eight? That's because I'm sleeping. But I stayed up to watch you on Tucker. I was loved the clip so much. I played it on my show, even though you were a guest right before you came in and on the podcast today. And you got a hold. Uh, and let me just preface this by saying a lot of now whistleblowers in the FBI are coming forward. They trust you. They know you're a man of dignity and honor, and they're bringing you a lot of information. Fair enough. You're, you're getting a lot of stuff from a lot of people now, right? Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a pretty dedicated group of folks that have always seen the issues and they've got their eyes open and, and they're trying to do the right thing. And, um, and I'm a conduit for them. So absolutely. That's okay. Good. I just want to establish that. And you got your hands on a very disturbing FBI uh, memo involving the targeting of what appears to be people who attend Latin mass. Now, I don't know about you, Kyle, but that sounds to me like that would be potentially unconstitutional using religious criteria to target people for investigation by the world's most powerful law enforcement agency. Uh, give us the details on that. Yeah, that was that was the essence of my disclosure to Congress that I went. To, uh, I said this is a possible First Amendment violation. It's certainly a violation of FBI policy. And uh, and, and the reason why is that, you know, the FBI is not allowed to pick winners and losers in the games of uh, a First Amendment speech or the practice of your religion or who you assemble with. Those are not allowed. Those are off limits. That's the whole point. The federal government is not supposed to have a stake in um, the outcomes. They're supposed to be part of the process. The process is if there's a threat, they're supposed to help try to mitigate it. But it doesn't matter whether the threat, you know, has uh, any particular ideological bent. But this product that we got, which is a, a domain awareness product, it's a finished intelligence product, which means that it was probably peer reviewed, then signed off on by a supervisory intelligence uh, analyst and then sent up to the Richmond division. This was the specific office, the Richmond division's chief division counsel, who's the top attorney that calls balls and strikes on whether you can or can't go with something. And it all made it through every single one of those checks and balances. And it got published. 
Now, it made it to one of my whistleblower uh, friends who is in a totally different division and took a look at this and went, this is out of bounds. Now, this person is not a Catholic, but is a Christian and realizes that when you look at the ideological bend of the product, and people can go see it at UncoveredDC.com. They can go see the piece I wrote. And then we included the source documents because that was the whole point. Daily Signal has written about it. National Review, a couple of others. Uh, Post Millennial has all done a piece on it. And, and that was the whole point. It's like, go, look, go draw your own conclusions. I know what an intelligence product is. I used to do this for a living. But, uh, but not everybody does. So I gave my perspective. And then they don't even have to look for my quote. It's already in my, my article. And the, what it's doing is it's talking about things like abortion rights. And it's talking about LGBTQ agenda and all of this kind of stuff are buzzwords to say that the writer is an ideological activist and not uh, an unbalanced or rather a uh, unbiased uh, source of information that's just doing analysis. And I think the piece opened up and luckily the uh, the FBI has actually not only acknowledged that it was written, but that it was out of policy and they've withdrawn it at this point. It's been rescinded. But it was an open door to go after all Christians because the idea that uh, abortion is wrong or that we shouldn't be, you know, shoving LGBTQ rights down on everybody is uh, that's a pretty, pretty mainstream Christian belief that whether you're evangelical or Baptist or Lutheran or anything, it's not just Catholics. And it's certainly not just Catholics who like the Latin mass. I think they saw a fringe group and they tried to take advantage of it. Uh, we're talking to FBI whistleblower Kyle Serafin. Please follow him on social media, True Social and Twitter. He's at Kyle Serafin. Spelling is S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N at Kyle Serafin. Uh, give him a follow. Kyle, it's, it's, that's really great news that it was rescinded, um, seriously. But I think the question is, how does a product like this, an intelligence product, as you just described it, a finished product in some respects, how does it make it through the inevitable multiple bureaucratic chains of a federal law enforcement agency you and I are all too familiar with? How does it and how does not one single person go, um, this memo saying we should target people in church? Uh, I don't think we can do that. There's this thing. I've heard of it once or twice, Kyle, like the First Amendment or whatever thing, something. That, that, that didn't, I mean, these are, the FBI, you've got to be pretty smart to get in there. You need a degree, three years of work experience, super competitive job. How did this happen? Well, you've got to be educated. I don't know if you've got to be smart. So we should be right. real. Like, Good, point. Wait, right? Good point. Good um, point. Folks, he just, and, he just summed up the stupid smart people problem. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is exactly the thing that you and I talked about on the first podcast, the first time we sat down. As an intelligence agency, you got a bunch of people that are stupid, smart people. It's, that's where they are. All right. They're educated, but they're not necessarily street smart. And in my article that I wrote, I actually mentioned the fact that the person who wrote this obviously had, you know, very high sounding rhetoric and very low experience with human beings, particularly people who went to the Latin mass. Now, I grew up learning Latin in fifth grade and sixth grade. I went all the way through high school. I went to a Cistercian school when I was in middle school. I went to Jesuit uh, Catholic high schools when I was in, um, you know, going through high school. So you talk about the sort of the people that go to Latin masses. They're not white supremacists. I don't know if you've ever been around people who like this. That's (laughs) not who they are, right? right? It just tells you that you have a low experience with human beings in the world, and you probably never went and drove down to one of these Latin masses. But, you know... Intel analysts are indoor dogs. That's what they do. They're not like you and me. They're not outdoor dogs. They're out there meeting human beings and shaking hands and handing out business cards and investigating crimes. So they're out there trying to pick the winner and loser in this. And the loser is supposed to be people who don't like their position on abortion. And their position is obviously um, much more ideological driven than it ought to be in a place like this. But the really, really scary part of this is we talked about it slipping through all the defenses, all the checks. This um, this intelligence product was sourced based on three individual sources. Number one, the Southern Poverty Law Center. 
We can go oh. on that for probably hours. But yes. that was the primary source that identified who radical traditional Catholics are. Source number two, The Atlantic. You know, that stalwart right-leaning organization that's <laughs> right, looking for right, American freedom. Right. Die, okay? The Reaganites, die hard at the Atlantic. Reaganites <laughs> all it. the way, right? That, that's <laughs> right? it. Borderline fascists, uh, lovers of Attila the Hun. And then on, <laughs> on the, the last one was Salon.com, where there was a two-part piece basically saying that people like Milo Yiannopoulos and a guy that was pictured on the steps of a church are representative of the Catholic Church. This is absurd. It's a crazy and weak logical jump. So once again, stupid, smart people. It, there were words that, that lined up with what their agenda was. And so, of course, they wrote a piece about it. The scariest thing is, is that uh, the Bureau's pulling it back, but they didn't say that they were disciplining these people or re-educating them or saying that this was a problem. They just got caught. And that's what we should be really honest about. It's what you and I talked about at the beginning, the first podcast. It's that there's this bend, and they're not trying to correct themselves. This is not a self-reflective agency. This is an agency that's full bore, and they just got caught with their hand in the cookie jar on this one. Yeah. No, I, I fear you're correct. That's uh, I, I'm genuinely afraid. I've been talking to Kyle Servin, uh, FBI whistleblower and a real American patriot. You know, Kyle, I said before you came on, I'll say again, you're, you're a humble guy. I know you don't you're not looking for anybody's praise or anything like that. I get that. But I, I'm pretty convinced if you hadn't decided to make this bold life move and, and leave the FBI and say, you know, I'm not going to play this game anymore. And I feel like I have an obligation to fix this place. I left. I, I'm 100% convinced that none of this stuff would have been exposed and we'd be dealing with a massive cover-up. I mean, think about it. The FBI, there's still been no accountability whatsoever uh, for Spygate or the collusion disaster. They still insist uh, to this day that, you know, they opened it up on a strong pretext, which is insane. Um, you know, the yeah. domestic terrorist thing was a total debacle. We got at best kind of a limited watered-down mea culpa on that. I'm really concerned. I mean, I really think we need from the next presidential administration a really thorough house cleaning where they bring in everyone from the director down to the DAD to the SAC level and say, listen, are you committed to this thing we call the Constitution or are you committed to a political ideology? And if you can't answer that question, lickety split and show me evidences, your, your ass is out the door. I, I would go further than that. I'd say anybody above a GS-15 in the bureau has to go. Because none of these people have been throwing the flag, right? They've all seen this stuff. They all know it's out there, and I don't see any of them part of my groups. They're not out there uh, cr crusading against them. And they would be a really powerful voice for change because they have the authority, they have the time, they have the, uh, the paycheck to back it up, and none of them are doing it. The people that are out there talking to me are GS-14s and below. So I think every frontline supervisor probably has to interview whether or not their loyalty lays with the Constitution. And every 15 and above, my, my buddy Phil, who, who produces my little podcast, said uh, GS-15 in the FBI is someone who's never said no to a bad idea. And, and that's, that's who we're talking about. We're talking about people, everyone above there has never said no to a bad idea. They said yes, and then how much more can I get paid, and where do you want me to move, and who do you need me to step on? So, I mean, right now, I'm like one guy with a small sword, you know, chopping at Godzilla's ankles. But uh, I'm going to try to make him bleed out anyway. Cause it just needs yeah, to be but done. it's working, it's, man. No other, it's working, it's brother. I'm you're off, the only right? one who seems to be getting any action. You're the only one. I mean, I have not seen the FBI rescind a memo like this so fast in, in years. I mean, and I've been following them with Spygate, the Russia hoax, the impeachment thing, all this stuff. I mean, you got on this story and within days, this thing was gone. So you're making a difference. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted to get a promotion in for your podcast so people can support what you're doing. Uh, what's the name of it? Where can people find it? It's important that they listen to voices uh, like you. All right. So my podcast is The Kyle Serafin Show, uninventively named. 
um, by a good friend of mine who started, who told me he always wanted to make one. And uh, they can search it on any of the place they find uh, podcasts. But if they do it on Apple specifically, I know if they even type in your name, mine comes up. But the algorithms have shown that, oh, good. you know, I've been on your show enough times. It actually pops up right next to yours and guys like Len Beck and things like that. So they can just search it cool. out. It's just my name. I'm I'm very easy to find everywhere. I don't have a lot of creativity. I just put my name out on no, Twitter and Truth. It's and a smart move. It's Kyle Serve. I'll spell it out very for you easy. again, folks. Follow him on social media as well. Kyle, K-Y-L-E, common spelling. Seraphin is S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N. So go to Apple, Spotify, elsewhere. Uh, subscribe to that podcast today. It's super important that we support people that are supporting us. I know things about Kyle that you all um, don't know, and I mean that in a really awesome incredible way like he's really he didn't leave for like some million dollar payday thurston howell didn't say lovey i've got a check for you if you spill the beans on the fbi there's a guy who's given up a lot for this and i think it's really important we support him um kyle unfortunately i gotta run i was gonna say something else oh oh i, I took a note the, don't laugh at calling it the kyle seraphin show the original name of my show was the renegade republican and i was seeing a doctor one day he's a really super smart guy about one of my many medical maladies. And he said, you know, I love your show, but one thing I hate about it is, and I said, is, is what? He said, the title's stupid. He said, Renegade Republican's a cool name and all. He said, but let me tell you something, brother. Always brand yourself. You change that to the Dan Bongino show on Monday, or I'm not going to be your buddy anymore. And I changed it because of that. And the show, and Kyle, the show took off right after that. Always brand yourself. You are the product, and you're a damn good one. You're a patriot, and you've been a real hero. I got to run. Kyle, thanks a lot for coming on. You know we'll have you back. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. You're a good friend. He's a good man, folks. That's a good man right there. The Kyle Serafin Show. Go check that out. Follow him on social media. I have not, Jim, have you, have you seen action by the FBI so fast on something in your life? Hey, uh, I think we should target a bunch of people who go to Latin Mass. Bruh. Uh, I, hold on. I got an app on my phone, the Constitution app. Let me look at that. Oh, Jim's got it right there. It says, hold on. Can you hold that up again, Jim, so I can read that? The Pocket Declaration of Independence and Constitution of the United States. Can you flip to that thing? Um, I think there was amendments to the Constitution. They, they had a few, right, Jim? A couple in there? Does the first one mention anything about that, like freedom to go to church and religion and establishment of religion? Does it say, does it say that anywhere? It's, it's the first part of the First Amendment. So in other words, it was like a real priority and nobody in the FBI caught. That's really weird. That was Kyle Serafin. Up next is journalist Darren Beatty, one of the few truth tellers out there about a number of different topics. We'll get to that in a second. But first, let me tell you about our next sponsor. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan is the website. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Why am I telling you the website? Because I need you to get this product. It is amazing. I feel like I had a good role in developing this. I told the Brickhouse crew, you need to get me a solid fruit and vegetable powder that tastes awesome, can get me healthy, wholesome uh, fruits and vegetables in one scoop. It smells great. It tastes great because it is healthy, wholesome fruits and vegetables all ground up into this powder. This has been the staple, staple of my nutrition plan for a long time. It's called Field of Greens. It comes in lemon, lime, and wild berry. Folks, a lot of these other products you're seeing, oh, we're a fruit and vegetable powder. They're just extracts. This is whole organic fruits and vegetables, not a watered-down supplement. And it's backed by a better health promise. Field of Greens is a science-backed formula of specific fruits and vegetables. You're not going to find any other product. The way they calculate and put in the vegetables, they did it right. 
We all know healthy food, fruits and vegetables are the key to a healthy diet. Sometimes I don't eat as healthy as I should. That's why this is my insurance policy right here. But your best proof will be at your next checkup when I bet your doctor says, whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep it up. Let's get started today. With 15% off at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan. Pick up Field of Greens today. Wild berry, original, lemon lime, all delicious flavors. Pick up Field of Greens at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan. Don't wait another day. Get a head start on your health. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up Field of Greens today. Here's Darren Beatty from Revolver News discussing the latest news from Seymour Hersh about the bombing of the Nord Stream pipeline. Did the U.S. do it? Check this out. All right, so one of the guys uh, we like to talk to, uh, you know, when stories like this break, because we know he'll always tell the truth, is, is an actual journalist. His uh, name is Darren Beatty. The website he runs is revolver.news. It's one of the best out there. Can't recommend it enough. Bookmark it. If you want honest news, want to welcome him back to the show. Darren, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me again. Of course, Darren, you have been one of the few truth tellers out there, whether it's the January 6th story, uh, the bomber on January 6th, biolabs in Ukraine, Nord Stream. You're one of these guys who's been ahead of it. And if we're following your site, you probably got this story before Hearst dropped it yesterday. Uh, we were always suspicious, I assume you, me, and a bunch of other people about this bombing of this Nord Stream pipeline, uh, just because we used evidence. You know, Joe Biden had said he promised he had a plan to bomb the pipeline. Victoria Newland had already made some public statements about it. Um, but this her story yesterday, if if sourced properly, is, is an enormous bombshell. And yet, outside of you, me, and a couple others, it's been largely media, silent, uh, media silence on it. Absolutely. No, it's it's a completely uh, explosive story with the highest of stakes. Um, and just to kind of give a little bit of background, the Nord Stream 1 and 2, but in particular 2, these were critical pieces of infrastructure. Nord Stream 2 was not operational, but it was very close to being so. And what it was supposed to do is deliver Russian energy into Europe, which... United States national security community, in particular, this Atlanticist faction that I've covered extensively that's most closely associated with color revolutions in Eastern Europe, a methodology, a regime change methodology, incidentally, they turned domestically and applied against Trump. But this Nord Stream 2 pipeline had always been a real sharp thorn in the side of this element of the national security establishment because basically it undermined our leverage in Europe. It increased Russia's leverage in Europe and it consummated this kind of complementarity between Germany's energy needs and Russia's economic needs. And so in the aftermath, kind of the immediate aftermath of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, something amazing happens. This pipeline, which the security establishment had been railing against, for years, just explodes in the bottom of the Baltic. <laughs> and amazingly, the Stooges representing the New York, you know, it's, it's, it, it's not just about this. Generally speaking, it is remarkable 
how condescending our own government can be to us. They, they think we're complete idiots because right. the representatives of the regime went in front of cameras. And this this is on both sides, you know, Republicans, some Republicans were doing this, too. And their position was Russia blew up their own pipeline, which made yeah, Rub- Rubio, Rubio said it. Darren Rubio said it on CNN. I mean, he said it was he said it was common sense. Uh, common sense. Is, I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead. It's. It's common sense that Russia blew up. Keep in mind, this is one of the most critical pieces of infrastructure that had been a prized project by Russia and that had been, again, the sharpest thorn deep in the side of the U.S. security establishment. In the aftermath of this, it blows up. There's there was no even attempt at any logical argument such as to suggest how Russia could have benefited from sabotaging its own critical infrastructure at that moment. Zero attempt. Now, most thinking people would conclude that, okay, this is either the U.S. or maybe the U.S. indirectly operating through some kind of proxy agent. We're not sure exactly what the arrangement was, when some Polish official who's married to Ann Applebaum, I believe, who is a key figure in this sort of Atlanticist faction, he um, he spoke too soon and maybe maybe too openly. He immediately congratulated and thanked the United States actually for doing it. Right. And then I, I guess someone that. told him, hey, we're not supposed to be out in the open. And so he deleted his tweet. <laughs> but uh, Joe Biden um, kind of intimated as much, he said, you know, one way or another, Nord Stream Two is not gonna not gonna be around anymore if if, if Putin continues this. Victoria Newland, whom I mentioned, who is a key figure in all kinds of operations in in Europe, she was involved in the Euromaidan color revolution and so forth. She intimated as much as well, and then sure enough, this thing blows up. And up until then, I think most thinking people understand it's the U.S. either directly or indirectly. But then enter Seymour Hersh, this Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who has a history of reporting stories that are embarrassing to the U.S. government, you know, going all the way back to Vietnam. And he publishes this highly detailed story that purports to give a direct operational account of what actually happened. And it's more explosive than even I would have imagined because it says oh, yeah. it wasn't just it wasn't just a proxy. This was the U.S. Navy doing it. And furthermore, the planning began before the invasion even took place. And that U.S. Navy divers were recruited to plant explosives on the pipeline under the guise of some routine military exercise near the Baltics. And that this comes directly, you know, goes all the way to the top, to the Biden White House, to Blinken, to Jake Sullivan and to Victoria Newland. And they were very much aware of the sensitivities at issue because this is, you know, very clearly an act of war, an attack on another country's piece of infrastructure like that. And I think it's important to note if this is true, it wouldn't simply be an act of war against Russia. It would be an act of war against Germany because the pipeline is just as much a piece of critical German infrastructure as it is Russia. And I think that underscores, I think, an underexplored but very important sort of 
a geopolitical um, uh, dynamic going on in this um, Russia-Ukraine conflict. Because I think ordinarily we think of it as a kind of proxy war between the U.S. and Russia. But there's also a dynamic between the U.S. and Europe. And European leaders, including Macron, including, you know, Schultz, had kind of played footsie with this idea of strategic autonomy, meaning asserting more sovereignty in their geopolitical affairs. That notion blew up just like the Nord Stream pipeline blew up at the bottom of the Baltic. America, for better or worse, has emphatically and unambiguously reasserted complete sovereignty over the geopolitical affairs and decision-making of Europe, and in particular, Germany. To put matters simply and bluntly, we blew up their damn pipeline, and they're not going to do a damn thing about it. So that's, that's a pretty, uh, pretty um, profound expression of, of geopolitical dominance. It is. We're talking to Darren Beatty. The website is revolver.news, one of the best. You should check it out. Follow him on social media as well. Uh, Darren, I, I got a, f- a few minutes left with you here. And um, it's just sad I have to tell you this, but one of the ways I generally doing this and putting my shows together and researching, figure out if a story has teeth, um, is obviously use evidence. Biden had suggested we had a plan to take out the pipeline. So when it blew up, it was pretty obvious I should look into that. But when the fact checkers, and I are you going to snicker here, but when the fact checkers immediately declared it a conspiracy theory, I do what I call, it's a very scientific thing, Darren. So I call it the dipsy do flipperoo. When a fact checker declares immediately something's a conspiracy theory and false, I know, in fact, Darren, that it's almost absolutely true. So the minute the <laughs> fact checkers jumped on this and censored me on Facebook for suggesting we may have had a role, I knew there was something there. I mean, do you, do you kind of work that same way with the flipperoo there? Absolutely. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's not always dispositive, but it certainly reinforces one's initial intuitions on the matter. If the usual suspects are apoplectic and pointing at it and calling it, if it's a conspiracy theory and if only you and me and like maybe Tucker Carlson and a handful of <laughs> others who cover these things, chances are there's probably a large degree of truth to it, if not completely true. It's, it's so crazy, though, because the things you cover at Revolver.News, you've been right. We're out of conspiracy theories, Darren. Like nearly every <laughs> one of them has just come true. It's not it's it's a conspiracy, but they're not in any way theoretical. Let me get your take on this one last thing, an angle of this story um, that I've been hitting on in the last hour. Let me just give you a hypothetical. If Donald Trump's son uh, was on the board of a Ukrainian natural gas company, Ukraine being an enemy of Russia, and a Russian natural gas company, which was benefiting from a pipeline to Germany that bypassed Ukraine, was sabotaged by the United States while Donald Trump was, in fact, president. And then Donald Trump was on tape promising they had a plan to take the pipeline out. Uh, as an actual journalist, Darren, you think the media would cover that as kind of a scandal or am I just grasping oh, I mean, it's, it's obviously a scandal, but again, it, it sort of, it even transcends these partisan lines because one of the most emphatic um, uh, uh, detractors of the pipeline itself was actually Ted Cruz, because again, it gets into energy politics mm-hmm. and all of the stakeholders in American liquid natural gas were obsessed with the issue too. There's one point at which Ted Cruz said, basically, I'll abandon my, <laughs> the, the, the rest of my uh, legislative agenda if 
we can play hardball against Nord Stream 2. So it's really deeply embedded within the national security community and underscores a dilemma for people on the right with, you know, what I mentioned about Ted Cruz, because, you know, in a way you could say, you know, it's, it's, it's in America's interest. We want to support uh, liquid natural gas, all things being equal. But the same Atlanticist faction that made the pipeline its obsession happens to be the same faction that launched a color revolution against Trump and has actually um, played a huge role in the censorship of the Internet. They're behind this whole disinformation scam that we've been hearing about for the last several years. That's right. So it underscores this weird conflict we have where, you know, on the one hand, we want to support, you know, America's interest in national security. On the other hand, so many of the key stakeholders lobbying aggressively for these things are also the people most aggressively lobbying for the dispossession of American conservatives domestically. Yeah, that's such a good point. But, but Darren, you know, guys like you and uh, and ladies like Julie Kelly uh, and Tucker, and, and I, I hope this show, I, you never praise yourself on the air. That'd be stupid. But, but no <laughs> sacred cows, man. No sacred cows, brother. I don't care if you got an R or a D in front of your name. If you're part of the problem, then uh, we're going to be part of the solution. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's an angle I'm going to look at for uh, tomorrow's show. Darren Beatty, the website is revolver.news. Follow him on social media, but only if you want the truth. If you want BS, go to PolitiFact. Darren, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. That was Darren Beatty. Up next, a very special guest. It's very personal. But first, I'd like to thank our final sponsor for bringing this podcast to you. Support for today's episode comes from Vincero. And honestly, we have some extra special Vincero news to share today. If you're a listener to the show, you know Vincero, how much I love their products, especially their watches. Well, they just came out with a limited edition, which they only made a limited amount, around 300, called the Day One Argo. It's an incredible black and gold rendition of one of their most popular automatic styles, and I was able to get my hands on one. The Day One is an ode to the mentality they embody over there at Vincero. Which is 350 made and recently launched, you'll want to head over to Vincero now to grab yours before they run out. The watch looks unbelievable. It's one of their automatics. It's one of their finer pieces. Based on the West Coast, GQ recently called Vincero their go-to brand for modern accessories, and it's easy to see why. You need to go check them out if you haven't yet. Right now, the Day One Limited Edition can be found right on their homepage, and you can save 20% off plus free shipping site-wide with our exclusive code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O. Support our show and check them out at VinceroCollective.com. That's V-I-N-C-E-R-O, VinceroCollective.com, and use code Bongino. Finally, here's my daughter... Isabel Bongino and her efforts to raise money for a cause near and dear to our hearts, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. If you'd hear her out on this, I'd really appreciate it. All right, listen, I want to welcome a very special guest to the show. Uh, It's my daughter, my daughter Isabel, who I love very much. And we do this special thing we've done for the last three years, which is raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, Unfortunately, I had lymphoma. Uh, it kind of sucked. Definitely a two thumbs down. And uh, Isabel has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, with the help of you, the audience, for this amazing organization, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And I'd like to welcome her back to the show, Isabel Bongino. How are you, my dear? I'm good. How are you? How's school? Um, it's going great. I have my chem lab in about two hours. <laughs> All right. Chem lab, chemistry lab, that's fun, right? Isn't yeah. that awesome? You love that? It's, 
it's so great. We yeah. get to wear this um, this cute little apron that goes down to my feet. <laughs> yeah, you love that, right? Very. Uh, now, Jim suggests you maybe can learn some tricks and go out to Ohio, but that's for another story. So don't you worry about commenting on that one, sweetheart. Uh, but school's going well. You enjoying it so far? The audience so- wants a kind of an Isabel update. Yeah, yeah, I love school. College is going awesome. I I love college. You do. You're like a big kid now. It's crazy yeah. to think, and I know I've told you this story as your dad a lot, that I brought you home and used to throw you up in the air with one hand, and you used to love it. And I used to carry you with the onesie like, like a kitten carries their cats by the nape, and you used to love it. And now you're a big kid, and I wonder where all the time went. But you and I, and primarily you, you've been raising money for the last two years for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, I had lymphoma, and as you can attest to to the audience, Isabel, when someone in your family has cancer, you all have to live with it, right? Yeah. Two thumbs down. Two thumbs down. Oh, you give it two thumbs down, too. So that's now four. I just want that on the record, Jim, on Yelp. Four thumbs down for cancer. (laughs) So you would agree with the assertion that cancer probably sucks, right? It's probably not a good thing. You're not, you're not cool with yeah. that. Okay, good. I good. Agree. Definitely two thumbs down. Say thank you to the audience last year for be helping me to raise so much money. And it, it was used to help LLS with research and aid in copay assistance for patients and urgent need programs and help with transportation costs. And this year, we are trying to expand on the children's initiative, the Dare to Dream project. So raising money just really means so much to me because I started participating in this program to honor my dad. Um, and his battle with cancer really changed all of our lives. And we're so fortunate today that you are cancer-free, but there's so many people out there who are still battling leukemia and lymphoma, and I just want to be able to do my part to help them. Wow. Wow. You came prepared, Isabel. Gosh, even Jim's like blown away. Where do I donate? Uh, So, Isabel, if if the audience would like to help, we're talking to my daughter, Isabel Bongino, my firstborn, who I'm extremely proud of. If you're watching me on Fox Nation, you can probably tell I'm looking away because I don't want to cry like a big wuss because I love my daughter. And she has raised probably somewhere in the neighborhood of a half a million dollars for really sick kids and adults with leukemia and lymphoma. Um, the website, Isabel, it's Bongino.com slash LLS. Is that correct? That is correct. Bongino.com slash LLS. Folks, if you could help us and our daughter and my daughter, um, ours, me, me and my wife, obviously. That's one thing I don't share with everyone in the audience. <laughs> um, raise money. We'd appreciate it. How much did we raise last year? Do you remember? I don't know the exact yeah, number, but where was it? A little over $324,000. Wow. I knew it was a lot. Uh, Folks, Isabel, just a little background. You know, Isabel initially got started in this project because of me. And it was so successful in year one. I think, what did we do, 200 or 300 that year, two or $300,000 that she took up the mantle again. And then uh, this year, even though she's at college and she's studying to be a doctor and is working and is traveling back and forth and volunteering and all this other stuff. She decided she was going to take this up again. So if you could help us, we would so deeply appreciate it. Um, Isabel, just briefly before I let you go, because I know you got to get to your chemistry lab and do your thing in school. You know, this matters a lot to you, doesn't it? It does. It does matter a lot to me. 
you know, we lived through this and, you know, she would be sitting at home and I would come back after the chemo and my wife would drive me back. And, you know, you never want to see your, I got to let you go, sweetheart. I'm sorry. This is going to break bad. All right, I'll call you in a little bit. Okay, you, thank you so much for letting me bring awareness to this issue, and happy Valentine's Day. Ah, oh, you got it. That's <laughs> my daughter. Always like a bundle of joy. It's just hard, you know? When you... um. You know, when you, when you get the, it's not like, it's, it's just weird. Cancer is just this like crazy thing, you know? You can't really see anything. It's not like, say, you know, advanced stage HIV or like things like shingles and stuff where you can look and you're like, wow, that sucks. You just look like you and nothing looks wrong. And, you know, you hear from someone that you've got this, this fatal disease and then, you know, your daughter, who my daughter, who I just heard from, and you, the cancer patients out there, and God bless you all, you got to come home after chemo and look at your kids and they see you in this just feeble, you know, kind of broken state. They load you up with these poisons and it kills the cancer, but it kills a lot of you too. And, uh... You know, I'm just really proud of her for doing this every year. You know, she doesn't have to, and a lot of 19-year-olds, she was 18 and obviously 17 the year before, you know, they're good kids, but they got other things on their mind. It's, it's no fault of their own. They're kids. We were all kids. But she wanted to do it, and she raised a ton of money. And let me tell you something. They do some really good work over there. The website, again, if you'd like to donate to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is bongino.com slash LLS. LLS. Bongino.com slash LLS. And uh, I'll tell you, my story, when I was first diagnosed, you don't really know how bad it is. Is it stage one? Is it stage four? Is it systemic? Is it localized? Is it you know, B-cell, is it Hodgkin's, is it non-Hodgkin's? And all of those have different survival rates. And one of the things that really hit me is when I was first diagnosed, it's just a whirlwind of stuff. You're getting appointments to have ports put in your chest and you're getting chemo appointments and you got to do a lung function thing to make sure you can get chemo and you got to do an echocardiogram and it's just doctor after doctor after doctor and it's kind of this whirlwind. Any cancer patient can attest to what I'm telling you. And it doesn't even hit you that you have cancer, or it didn't hit me. Excuse me for the sniffling, folks. I'm sorry. You have to forgive me. I know it's not the greatest sound effect, but I'm having a tough time getting through this for um, obvious reasons. And then it was about five days after, or maybe, I don't know, two weeks after the diagnosis. Again, it's all a whirlwind. I had had the tumor removed from my neck, and I'm coming home. And everything had slowed down, and I was on a plane. My wife headed back from New York because uh, a doctor by the name of Boov Singh, who's an unbelievable surgeon, he is a head and neck specialist in cancer. I went up to Sloan Kettering because I wanted the best guy doing it, and he cut this tumor out of my neck, and he got all of it. So I finally had some time on the way back on the plane after two weeks of this, again, whirlwind of stuff. 
and I'm on my phone, and there's a guy next to me, and he's sitting in the next aisle over. I'm in the aisle seat, so he's in the seat in front of me. So if he turns his neck, like, I'm right there. And as he's getting on the plane, because I, I, I sat before him, he gives me a look, and I can tell that look. It's the I watch Fox look, but I don't want to bother you look. It's, I, I get it all the time. It's just nice. I appreciate it. They give me like a nod. So I get the nod. I give him the nod back. And as we're flying, it's, I don't know, a two-and-a-half-hour flight from New York. We're flying out of LaGuardia back to Palm Beach Airport, where I live, down here. About an hour into the flight, I start reading about, because we had gotten the diagnosis that it was uh, – Hodgkin's lymphoma, but it was stage one. And I was feeling really good, so I started reading about it. And uh, something really hit me. It said the five-year survivability rate is 80%. And they were like, wow, this is great. I mean, the tone of the website was 80%. Like eight out of 10 people make it five years. And I didn't see it that way. I read it the other way, that 20 out of 100 people die in five years. And I just... I just, lo- I just lost it on the plane. I mean, lost it. Like, waterworks, man. Like, total waterworks. I couldn't hold it in. I just I couldn't believe that I was, at the time, 46 years old. And I might not see my daughter get married. My, uh, may not see my youngest daughter Might not even see her go to high school. And that guy, he saw me and he looked back and these are like the hardest segments. And he just gave me kind of like a look like, like I got you, buddy. I don't know, that guy. Who knows if he's listening now? I appreciated that. But this Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, they do really good work. It's uh, bongino.com slash LLS if you'd like to donate. And I'll just leave it here if I can get through this segment. This has been kind of tough for me. I went to MD Anderson later on from radiation and treatment out there. And it's an amazing cancer hospital, one of the best in the world out in Houston, Texas, and they treated me like gold. It's an incredible place. The experience, considering everything I was going through, uh, was amazing. But when I would go for radiation every day out there, you'd see these kids, they'd be wheeled in on a gurney. There's some of them 10, 11, 12 years old with advanced stages of leukemia. No hair on their bodies, weak, frail, can barely move. And I always thought to myself, what are you complaining about? Like someone always has it worse. So just uh, if you can spare a buck, maybe two, maybe more, we would appreciate it. It's Bongino.com slash LLS for the uh, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Thanks for listening to this special Sunday podcast we put together for you on the weekend. You can hear me every weekday across the country on over 300 radio stations. Just go to Bongino.com and click on Station Finder to find out where I'm on near you. Thanks for listening. You just heard Dan Bongino.